Come on up, Peter. Yay, I want to pray for you. So at New Day, we don't have one pastor who preaches every week. We have a preaching team, five preachers on that preaching team, and Peter is one of them. We are so thankful for you and what you bring, and especially in this topic. I mean, we could be here till next Sunday with with all the, the depth of things you have to share about worship. So Father, thank you so much for what you've put in Peter, and we just... um honor him as uh, a young man in this house who is full of wisdom, full of your spirit, and full of experience um, in this area. And so we just prepare our hearts. We open our hearts and minds and ears to hear and receive what you want to teach us, Holy Spirit, through his words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Um, yeah, my name is Peter Webb. I've been attending this church for 12 years now. Um, and I'm excited to present the word today. This is exciting. Um, I've been mentoring youth in worship for the last 14 years, um, and so this topic is near and dear to my heart. Um, it's probably the easiest sermon I've ever had to prepare for because I've just had to take the 12 other sermons that I've preached on this and like combine them all and pare them down and decide <laughs> what not to say. So um, we're, we're talking about worship today. Um, Worship is important. Um, the, uh, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> our, our series title is, is The Importance of Worship. And, and to have a series title like that seems like quite the understatement. Um, John, John Piper says that evangelism exists because worship doesn't. Worship is why we were created. Like, we're on this planet to worship the Lord, period. Like, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, and I'm continuing um, the series from uh, what Carrie said last week. Um, she said, worship at New Day is an opportunity to have an encounter with the presence of God, to be encouraged by one another, and to have our perceptions changed as we come into agreement with the word of the Lord. It's encounter, it's encouragement, and it's transformation. And that's what we need. That's what we need here. Um, that's what our, this neighborhood needs. That's what the city of Kalamazoo needs, right? And praise the Lord that all of that is available in the presence of the Lord. Everything that we need is available in the presence of the Lord. Today, I want to talk about true worship. Um, this is a phrase that Jesus, Jesus uses to differentiate um, true worship from everything that might look like worship that actually doesn't please the Lord. Um, and the there's three things I want us to come away with today. Number one, true worship is spiritual. Um, Jesus speaks very clearly about this in John chapter four. This backstory is his disciples get super hungry, go into the town to get food, leave Jesus at a well. And a woman comes up and Jesus asks this woman for a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Why do Jews not associate with Samaritans? The biggest difference is, is a theological one. Huge, huge theological differences. Um, and one of the biggest ones was the place where they were supposed to worship. This is Mount Gerizim. And this is where the Samaritans believed the Lord had, has decided to have his presence and to have his holy temple. 
this is where they believed that the uh, that God's people were supposed to come worship. This is the temple, a drawing of the temple in Jerusalem. Um, the first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 500 BC. The second time they built it, it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So about 40 years after the crucifixion of Christ. Um, and this is where the Jews said, hey, this is where we're supposed to worship. And this was one of the key differences between Samaritans and Jews. Um, not the only difference, but one of many. Um, these theological differences were so big um, that you guys see Galilee at the top there. Um, it involves uh, Capernaum and, and Nazareth. This is where Jesus grew up. Um, and then underneath that, we have the land of Samaria. And then underneath that, we have Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Judea. There's so many Jews that were coming from Galilee and Nazareth and Capernaum down to the temple to worship in Jerusalem, but they wouldn't go through Samaria because they didn't want to bump into any Samaritans. So they would take the long way around to get to Jerusalem, right? That's how big a difference this was. And so we can see, you know, we can kind of see, okay, that's why this woman was shocked when a Jewish rabbi, a man, you know, all of these things started talking to this woman who, you know, normally shouldn't have associated with her. Jesus asked her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but everyone who drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty again and I won't have to come here to draw water. Notice, this woman is not quite getting what Jesus is saying. Jesus is trying to turn the conversation to something spiritual, to something of, of great importance here, right? And this woman is not getting it. Like, she's like, I see the water, don't understand the living water thing. I, I don't get it, but can I have a sample? Can we try it? We'll see what you mean, right? He told her, go and call your husband and come back. She replied, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman says, I can see you are a prophet. It's like the biggest Captain Obvious moment in scripture. Like, I can see that you're a prophet. You know some things that you shouldn't know. Now, I want us to think for a second. <laughs> if we're face-to-face -face with somebody who knows things they shouldn't know, who we recognize as a prophet of God, and we have a minute to talk to them, right? And we can possibly get some of the biggest questions in our heart answered, right? If you had a moment to ask God a question, 
Like, what question would you ask? What's burning on your heart? What's important to you? And we can see by what she says next. She says, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place that we must worship is in Jerusalem. We see what's most important. Jesus, can you settle this disagreement? Right? My whole life is based around this disagreement of where in the world we should worship. Right? Settle this. Tell us who's right. Tell us who's wrong. Show us the right way to worship. And then Jesus says the most important thing. Notice Jesus is always pulling people away from their eyes on things that don't matter and turning their eyes onto the things that do matter. This is what Jesus says. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying you're focusing on being in the right location, right? And worship is something that's way deeper than that. As she's focusing on physical water, Jesus is saying, I got something way more important for you. Right? She's caught up in all the physical details that don't matter, and she's missing all the things that do matter. And we do this exact same thing. We do the exact same thing. We think that if we can just get our plan right, right, then God will be pleased. We think if we can get all the details right, right, if we avoid the, the bad ways of worshiping and, and do the good ways of worshiping, if we raise our hands at the right moment, right? Maybe if, if we're just in the building right, this morning, coming to church this morning is not enough to please the Lord, right? It's not about coming and punching the clock, singing the the lyrics on the screen, and then coming home. Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah when he says this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. Doing the, quote, right actions or saying the right words or singing the right lyrics is not what pleases God. And what is it that pleases God? Jesus says, God the, God the Father is looking for true worshipers. True worshipers. People who worship him in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit means it's not an outward show. Right? It means your spirit, your inner spirit is connected with the spirit of God. Right? True worship is spiritual. God tells the prophet Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. True worship is a heart thing. True worship starts invisible. God can see what's going on in our heart, and he knows if it's a show. Right? We can't fool God. We can't fool God. What's the greatest commandment? It's not obey the Lord. It's not do all the things and say all the right words, right? It's love the Lord. Love the Lord. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind and with all your strength. Three quarters of that is completely invisible. So number one, true worship is spiritual. Number two, true worship is a response. It doesn't originate in us. Worshiping him in truth means we worship the Lord for who he actually is. We're not making it up. Psalm says to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, right? Get a glimpse of the Lord and respond to him for it. Praise him for who he is. Worship him after you actually see. This means we're not worshiping something that we invent or that we made up. God is not just the best thing that we can think of, right? God is a person who revealed himself in scripture and we can learn about him and then respond back in worship. Worship is a response to catching a glimpse of the Lord. It's a reaction to the revelation. Um, I love the song Justin wrote. The more that I find out, the more I fall in love. That's the idea. The more that we find out about God, the more we fall in love. It's not about, okay, I got I to gotta love this thing that I don't know, you know? Oh, man, the greatest commandment is love God, and I don't know anything about God. That's going to be super, super hard, right? You got to get to know God. You got to get to know God. And if worship is hard for you, the answer isn't more striving. The answer isn't more work or more energy, right? The answer is to seek God, to know him and to search for him. God makes this promise to his people you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's not hiding. God wants to show himself to the wholehearted true worshipers. The answer to a life of worship that's gone stale is to seek him. The psalmist says, I, I thirst for you like the deer that pants for the water, right? Are we, are we hungry? Are we thirsty? Are we chasing after the Lord? Do we even care? Because worship that doesn't begin with that revelation is fake, right? Any worship that doesn't begin with a revelation of who God is, is fake worship, right? If you don't know about his goodness, you can't praise him for it, right? The Bible says the kindness of God leads men to repentance, right? It starts with his kindness. It's not just, hey, you got to repent, right? is God is kind and he's ready to accept you back, right? And so repent in worship. How do we get the revelation of him? If you don't know, number one, read his revealed word, right? He has shown himself to us in 66 books, Holy Spirit inspired. And we can open that up and we can respond back. You can do it just on a micro level. You can open up your Bible read three verses and respond back to the Lord and just pray, right? Just, just respond back. And that is more pure worship than you being up here and crying your eyeballs out to fit in with all the other people crying their eyeballs out, right? Like number two, ask the Lord throughout the week to open up your spiritual eyes right? Open up your spiritual ears to hear what he's doing, to see what, is, what he's doing. He'll do it. He loves to answer those, those prayers. 
He absolutely does. If you do those two things, I guarantee when we come together on a Sunday morning, you'll have, you'll have a full heart of thanks, thankfulness to give him. You'll have a praise to offer him. You'll have something to put on the altar. We try so hard to please the Lord with all of our plans, trying to get the details just right. And the good news is it doesn't take much to please the Lord, right? <laughs> Scripture says it's faith. It's faith in who he is that pleases the Lord, right? How much faith? Mustard seed, right? Tiny bit of faith. If you believe that he exists and that he's, he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him, like if you, if you just believe that, you'll please the Lord. I heard this phrase recently, secondhand glory. Secondhand glory. In the Old Testament, the Israelites send Moses up the mountain because they're terrified of the Lord with the smoke and the lightning bolts and the 10 plagues that they just saw. They are, they are terrified, right? Like Moses, you go up there and hopefully you don't die, right? They were too scared. Moses goes up on the mountain, has an encounter with the Lord, comes down, and they can't look at his face because it's shining so brightly, right? They have to cover it with a veil just, just so they could see him. These people missed out on something amazing, and now they have to just settle for secondhand glory. They have to settle for somebody else telling them the revelation of the Lord and how good he is. How often do we go, boy, that was some good worship today, right? But what we really mean is the people next to us were worshiping and the person on stage was worshiping and it all felt really good. It felt good to be in that place where other people were worshiping, you know, but we weren't actually connecting with the Lord, right? We can feel really, really good when we're around people that are right next to the Lord and it's a good place to be. You know, especially if you're having trouble, Carrie talked about that last week. If you're having trouble connecting with the Lord, it's a great place to be around people. You know, secondhand glory is better than no glory. You know, it's, it's true. It's true. But we're not meant to just come here and watch, right? We're not meant to tune in on the live stream and just watch other people worship. We're not meant to go up on YouTube and watch all these, you know, wonderful Maverick City people worship the Lord, right? Like, oh, it's just so amazing. Like, you do it, yeah. right? We think of the woman who, who broke the entire bottle of perfume at Jesus' feet, right? It's this fragrant smell. It's like if somebody, for their worship, took Axe body spray and just... You know, like, <laughs> maybe get Bill's permission if, before you bring that in next week, <laughs> right? The fragrance of the worship was powerful. Everybody in the room was hit with it, right? The entire body. <laughs> but were the disciples joining in and worshiping with her in that opportunity? No, they're sitting at the table with their arms crossed, like arguing about whether or not that was appropriate or not right? Don't be the one that's at the bottom of the mountain while somebody else goes, right? Don't be at the table, you know, while somebody else is giving their all to the Lord. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. And sometimes we let looks of judgment, like, or our idea of somebody's going to judge me, somebody's going to, you know, whatever. If, if I do this, if I do that, right? 
Don't let anything stand between you and the glory of the Lord. When David was celebrating the return of the presence of the Lord to the city, he got accused by his wife about looking too undignified in front of his people. And this is what he said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Right? Are you willing to lay down your pride for the Lord? Are you willing to give that as a, as a fragrant gift to him? God, this is my pride. I'm, I'm about to look ridiculous. <laughs> David said, I'll become even more undignified than this. David's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Can we be that kind of church? Can we be a you ain't seen nothing yet church? That's what the Lord's looking for. All right, true worship is spiritual. It's a response. True worship is a sacrifice. If it's not a sacrifice, it's not worship. If it's not a sacrifice, it's not worship. Romans tells us this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so that after you've gotten a revelation of the goodness of God, after you've seen his, like, don't take your eyes off the mercy of God, right? Your worship needs to come from a revelation of the Lord to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Like this is the best definition of worship in the Bible, right? It's a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God, right? In view of God's mercy. It's not a song, it's a sacrifice, right? And what is the most appropriate gift that we can give in response to all that the Lord has done. It's ourselves. Ourselves is the most appropriate gift. Everything that we have, everything that we are on the altar as a living sacrifice, right? We lay down our desires and our preferences and we come into obedience with whatever the Lord says he wants, right? Following Jesus is not about just really liking the things that he says or subscribing to him like he's some podcast or something, right? It's obedience. It's like, all right, I'm going to follow you. Whatever you say, whatever you do, I'm going to copy you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen. That's going to be my worship, not a song. That's going to be my worship. And we can miss this if we're selective in our Bible reading. We just talked about in the first half that the Lord's looking at our heart, right? And we can just, we can stop there and, and think that it's enough for us to just fill our hearts with thankfulness and have affection and good feelings towards the Lord, right? It's, it's not about actions. It's not about all this, which is true. It's not about that, right? It's, but it's not possible to love the Lord like he wants us to love him and not follow what he says. Jesus shows what real love looks like when he says things like this. If you love me, keep my commands, right? It's impossible to love the Lord like he wants us to love him without being in obedience to him. You can't separate those two. Say, I'm just, I'm not all about those rules, right? I'm, I'm not all about that, that whole obedience thing. It seems, seems like bondage, right? If you love me, keep my commands. And this obedience is more important than the offerings that we give. It's more important than the songs that we sing. 
We see this when Jesus says something like, if you're giving a gift at the altar and you realize you've wronged somebody else, while you're leave the gift at the altar, pause what you're doing, go and make that right. Because that's something that I said you got to do. I said you got to live right with the people. I said that you got to love your neighbor, right? You got to forgive people. You got to make things right as, as far as it depends on you. You got to live with peace with everybody, right? And, and then come back and give your, give your gift. First things first, obey the Lord. God doesn't want us to live a church life here where we openly praise the Lord, right? We give our tithes and offerings. We say hello to all our church friends here and then go out and then mistreat people the other six days of the week, right? Like that's, right? God doesn't accept the worship of actively disobedient hypocrites. Okay, and we see this in Amos 5. Every worshiper needs to understand this. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Amos. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river and righteousness like an ever falling stream, a never falling, failing stream. Can you imagine singing the song to a Lord and the Lord coming back and saying, nope, hated it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like that's, and for some of our Um, mental pictures of God, that sounds totally impossible, right? In some of the ways that we view God, right? That sounds completely impossible, right? This this chapter is incompatible with some of the ways that we view God sometimes. Israel right here is acting incredibly wicked, right? Is oppressing the poor, is not giving justice to the people that need justice, Right? And the Lord is saying, stop singing until you start living right. Stop singing until you start living right. Leave your gift at the altar. Right, Fix the things you need to fix. The Lord cares that we act with righteousness and with justice. Right, We can't use worship songs as a cover for an unsubmitted life to him. Worship is the yielding of our way and the acceptance of the way of the Lord. If the Lord says, give, we give. If the Lord says, sing, we sing. If the Lord says, forgive, we forgive. Like whatever it is, right? And this is in contrast to our consumer selfish mentality that says, I'm only going to worship the Lord unless it's in a way that I enjoy right? I, I don't, I, I'm not really a singer. I don't have a good voice. I don't like to sing, right? Or I, I, I don't want to worship, or I don't want to give my money, or I don't want to forgive, right? I, I only want to participate in the parts of Christianity that I, that I like, right? I'm only going to step in and participate and engage with the worship that fits my personality. If, <laughs> if you've never engaged in a part of this Christian life 
that is outside of your preference, you have yet to worship the Lord, right? Worship has to be sacrifice, right? There has to be self-denial. Jesus says, if anybody would come after me, right, let him pick up his cross and follow. It's self-denial. King David once offered, what once was given, somebody tried to give him um, cattle and an altar and wood in order so that he could sacrifice to the Lord. And, and this is what King David said. He said, I wouldn't dare offer something to the Lord that doesn't cost me anything. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I won't do it. And he understood worship is sacrifice or else it's fake. And here at New Day, we want to make being in the house of the Lord a comfortable, welcoming experience. We want to offer love and hospitality and everyone to, that, to everyone that comes in as an act of worship to the Lord, right? We have a team of greeters at the door. We've got free coffee in the back. Um, we've got children's ministry. We've got child care so that you can participate in the service. If you have a prayer need, like come on up and let's get prayer for the things you need. If you have questions about the church, you can, you can set up a meeting and have all your questions answered, Right? We understand that we serve Christ by serving one another, and we love God by loving our neighbor, but this situation can be misunderstood. Church can become about getting our needs met, right? We can walk into the door and immediately start looking around, going, like, do I like this church? What, what do they have to offer me, right? And, and that could be our, our default position every Sunday. Just, I'm here to get... I'm here to receive. We start to view the church like we view Costco, right? We come in to get what we want. We're greeted at the door by smiling faces. We get the free samples. Get that $5 rotisserie chicken, that $1 foot-long hot dog. It's wonderful, right? And then we get on with our Sunday afternoon. Costco is so busy on Sunday afternoons, right? That's not what this is right? This is not a store to receive the things that you need in, you know, the happiest way possible, right? We're here to give ourselves to the Lord. We're here to give ourselves to the Lord. We're here to hear from the Holy Spirit and be transformed in whatever way he wants, right? We don't come with our list, say, God, can you change this, this, and this about me, rotate my tires, and like, whatever. Like, we come and say, have your way. Have your way. Whatever you want to do with that scalpel and that blade of the whole, you know, of your word, I'm open. I'm open, Lord. We come to remind each other of the Lord's goodness, right? I am here so that you all will know of the Lord's goodness because of my life. The Lord's been good to me, and so I stand here as a testimony to that, right? That's why, that's why we're here. We have a story to tell. We're here to offer a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise, right? Is the words that come out of your mouth, are they a sacrifice of praise? Hebrews says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's what we're doing, to openly praise the Lord, to give him what he deserves, 
to ascribe to him, as the Psalms say, ascribe to him glory and honor and praise, right? Worship's not about, um, not about receiving, it's about giving. Worship's not a tool for us to get what we want from God. And I've been guilty of, of using this. I've been guilty of preaching this, right? That worship so that your walls will fall down, right? Or worship so that your fear will go away, right? Oh, the reason we worship is so that we can get freedom, right? Or the reason we worship is so that God will respond and bless us. Or the reason we worship is so that the Lord will receive us, right? Thanksgiving is what opens up the gates to, you know, the Lord's, the Lord's throne room or whatever. Like, that's not why we worship, right? That's, that's self-centered. That's consumer-oriented. That's transactional. Do all of those things happen in worship? 100%. Absolutely. I've experienced every single one of those things where I worship the Lord and he blesses me in some way that I don't deserve, right? I've had fear fall off of me, right? I've had a peace come over me that I can't even understand when I'm worshiping the Lord. That's not why we do it. That's not what worship is about. Worship is about giving to the Lord what he's looking for. The Father is looking for true worshipers. The Father is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. will actually find out who he is and love him for it with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's about giving the Lord what he deserves. It's about making things right. And what is right? For him to get it all, right? Justice is that the Lord gets all the credit, right? It's that the one who sits on the throne gets everything, gets everyone, right? The lamb who was slain receives all honor and glory and power and dominion. He deserves all of our attention. So let's push past selfishness. Let's realize none of this is about us. It's all about him. Let's stand and pray together. God, we come to you in awe of your goodness, grateful for everything that you've done, God, we pray that you would help us because this is not something we can do on our own. We recognize that the only way we can even call you Lord is by the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, we ask that you would help us to worship in the way that you desire. Turn our attention from what our physical eyes can see onto that which is spiritual. God, help us to thirst for living water more than we do for physical water. Help us to search after you, God, like a deer panting for the water. Increase our desire for you until it matches our great need for you. God, we ask for a greater revelation of who you are. God, that you would show yourself, show your character to each one of us. Open blind eyes, Unlock deaf ears, God, so that we can see you, so that we can hear your voice clearly. May none of our worship be a contrived mask that we put on. God, may it all just be a response to seeing you for who you really are. We just want to say thank you. 
We just want to give our lives to you, God, because you've given everything for us. You've given everything for us. God, we repent for the moments that we've come in here <laughs> after you've given everything to us. God, we've come, God, with our shopping cart to just load things up and completely ignored the responsibility we have to praise you. The responsibility we have to open up our mouths and give you the fruit of our lips and give you what's in our heart. May our songs and our acts of obedience come from a real, glorious revelation of you. May we give our whole selves to the pursuit of knowing you, seeking you, finding you. May we come to this building, to our church gatherings, ready to participate. God, ready to say yes to whatever you want to do. And God, if, if you're silent, God, to just praise you for the things you've said before, to praise you for what our heart knows about you already. May we be ready to give, ready to sing, ready to shout for you, Lord. We thank you that you're faithful to finish the work you've started. We thank you that you're patient with us, God, in our stumbling, in our unfaithfulness. Lord, you remain faithful. You haven't given up on your church. You're not giving up on each one of us. You're taking your church from glory to glory to glory. God, and we say yes. We say yes. We're not going to settle for somebody else's experience, Lord. God, show us your glory. Show us your power. Show us your might. We want to see you for who you are. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Just take a moment. Just say, I love you. In your own words, in your heart, God, I love you. We love you, Lord. You've been so good to us. We love everything about you. We love the way you respond. We love the way you help. We love the way you save, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. Your mercy never ends. Your kindness never ends. Your commitment never ends. Your faithfulness never ends. Boy, and that's what we love about you. You're faithful, Lord. You're wonderful, God. You're worthy of everything we have to give. I love you. I love you. I love you, God. God, keep pulling at our hearts this week. May this be not just a Sunday morning, thank God, but us every day, every morning, every evening, every afternoon thing where we love you and we express it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Well, Peter mentioned that it's not hard to please God. He's looking for obedience, and he's looking for faith. And if you've never professed faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come forward in a moment and pray with the prayer team. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. 
and it's with your mouth that you, are, that you confess unto salvation. It also says that salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He is the only name under heaven. And so if you've never professed faith in the Lord, come forward, receive prayer. In fact, the prayer team can come and get ready. There were so much, so many um, truths that you spoke to us this morning, Peter, and, and God's really working a lot of hearts. And so I just believe that it's going to continue to percolate and continue to change our hearts and make us more like God and um, ref just refining our hearts to believe uh, true to scripture and that is that is our goal and so let's let that continue this week next Sunday we're going to have another river Sunday and so come prepared to engage and be involved by giving your worship and and what other whatever what other whatever other <laughs> sacrifice you have to bring so with that have a wonderful day you are dismissed